Again, I'm honored to share tonight some thoughts. Uh, Pastor Tom asked me to uh, share this evening some thoughts about being filled. And our scripture for tonight, to continue in that series, is found in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And so it starts with verse 15, a familiar passage of scripture that I just want to walk through tonight and make some points on if I could. So first of all, Lord, bless this time. Lord, open up our hearts. You be our teacher tonight. We've already prayed several times tonight, God, but it never hurts to pray again. And so I ask you once again, we draw near to you, and would you touch us? Would you open up your word? Let your word find lodging in our hearts in Jesus' name. Chapter 5, verse 15 of Ephesians. So then, be very careful how you live. Don't live like foolish people, but like wise people. That's a good statement, isn't it? Make the most of your opportunities because these days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord wants. Verse 18 is the key. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to wild living. Instead, somebody say instead. Instead, be filled with the Spirit by reciting psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs for your own good. Sing and make music in your heart with your heart well, to the Lord with all your hearts. Always thank God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Great passage. There's a confusion that exists. What does filled with the Spirit mean? To the Pentecostal, it almost is always equated with speaking in tongues. To the non-Pentecostal, it almost always refers to an individual who exhibits the fruit of the Spirit. To the non-believer, it sometimes refers to an individual who has spent a little too much time in biting, biting in liquid spirits. So what is it? Is it always speaking in tongues? You know, not really. If we look at the scriptures, not really is it always being filled with the Spirit equated in the Bible to speaking in tongues. Look at another terminology with me. What can a person, what can you and I be filled with? Can we be filled with hate? Yeah. Can we be filled with anger? Yeah. Can we be filled with joy? Can we be filled with love? Yeah. Many of you know that I had a great weekend celebrating my 70th birthday last weekend, and I went to Texas to be with my family. Yeah, I'd go ahead and say it. I don't look 70, right? Go, come on, help me out. Okay. And so last weekend, and my kids just surprised me in just about every way I can possibly imagine. And so let me tell you, my love tank is a little full, okay? I'm pretty full tonight. What it means to be filled, it means that my capacity is at its peak, I can't fit any more in. You couldn't get any more inside. It also means that the capacity that I have is evident. You're not full unless something is flowing over and therefore it is said, aha, that you're full. Years ago when I was a lead pastor in the city of Centralia, um, I had the auspicious responsibility and duty to fill up the baptismal tank. You guys probably know what's coming here. So it was just not too far from my office, and it was my responsibility I'd, because of the complexity of this particular uh, baptismal tank. I would go in, and I'd fill it up, and I'd have to fill it up on Friday. I'd put, put the heater in on Saturday so it would be warm enough for Sunday. Okay? And so I went in this one particular Friday morning, and sure enough, I filled it. I started to fa turn the faucet on, and it started filling up, and went back to my office, started working. Went out to lunch. Came back to my office, 
and I heard this funny sound of rushing water. Uh, what? Then it hit me. Oh, no. And sure enough, I ran through down the hallway. I ran out in the sanctuary to look at the baptismal tank, and it was running over. It was coming down the wall. It had come through. the. It would be like it was back here. It was coming down the wall, and it was actually coming out front, and it was actually filling up the altar area. The capacity had been reached, and it was overflowing. I believe being filled with the Spirit is that exact thought. The capacity that I have for the Spirit of God to live in me is at its capacity, and it's so full, it's beginning to run over into the rest of the world. Capacity is at its peak, being filled with the Spirit. The key is that it will show. If you're filled with the Spirit, somehow, some way, it will show. It will be demonstrated. People will know. When I'm full of it, it means my capacity is at its peak, and it is evident. The corollary is this. If it's not at its peak, then it can't be, it can't be evidenced. You can't know. You know if you're at its peak in anger because there's things out there called road rage. Anger is at its peak. There's always a little bit of anger, always a little bit of hate, but we bring it under control. But out of control, when it's at its peak and overflowing, it's negative. The same with love, joy, and peace, which we'll talk about in just a moment. When love is at its peak, when at fullest capacity and joy, we may all have a little bit, but it has to show. Can you say amen? Our, uh, an abundance of love in us must be always showing of joy and peace. We'll talk about those in a moment. But one key verse that specifically equates being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues is found in Acts 2.4. It's very clear. Let's move on here. Okay, Acts 2.4. All of them were what? Filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We see a direct corollary, a direct uh, relationship right there. But many times in the Scripture, it wasn't equated with speaking in tongues. The birth of John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1, verse 15. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Spirit even from birth. No correlation really there to speaking in tongues. Luke 1.41. The baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. Luke 1.67. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Interesting combination there between being filled with the Holy Spirit and prophecy. But we don't have time to dig into that truth. We see it in the life of Peter in Acts chapter 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. So he, he vocalized. It wasn't in tongues. He vocalized it because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Rulers and elders of the people began to preach. Paul did it in Acts chapter 13, verse 9. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at straight at Elimus and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. It takes the Spirit of the Lord to say that, but okay. Also, there's terms in the full of the Spirit in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. Acts chapter 7. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God. Acts chapter 11, 24. He, Barnabas, was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and truth. Okay, So we see a, cor a correlation here uh, between being, just being filled with the Spirit is filled with a power and anointing. Basically, filled with the Spirit is more of a state of being filled with the Spirit rather than speaking in tongues. Now, let me stop right there. I am not saying at all. Please don't walk out of here and say, I do not believe in speaking in tongues, because I do. Hello? 
All right? I really do. I just want to clarify something as we move along. That, that holy that speaking in tongues is not biblical or doesn't exist is not what I'm saying. I'm saying that being filled with the Spirit does not always mean speaking in tongues. Don't throw your tomatoes at me here, but are you with me? I mean, let's, let's, be, let's be real here. So what is it? Glad you asked. Let's answer that in three points here tonight. With that introduction, here we go. First of all, a person filled with the Spirit has a realization. The, Spirit, the, the person filled with the Spirit has a realization. You see, Christian, our Christian life is a matter of renewing our minds. I had the word in my notes, reprogramming, but that has a bad connotation, so I'm not going to say it that way, but I just did. But it's a renewing of our minds, a renewing of our thinking processes. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by what? The renewing of our minds. You see, as when we become a Christian, we have to take upon, a, first of all, a renewing our mind to say we have a brand new identity. We're no longer in the world, but we are what? We're joint heirs with Jesus. We're children of God. There's something special. There's a new identity about us. And when we become a Christian, also we have to take upon ourselves a transforming of our mind, a new language. And I call it the blessed language. A language that blesses people, that encourages. Let no unwholesome word come out of my mouth, but that which is good to edifying. It's a blessed language. I have to learn not to, I have to, learn to stop putting people down. I have to learn to stop cussing and swearing. I put that life behind me, and my life now is a life of blessing. It's a new language. I also have to learn by a reprogramming or a renewing of my mind. There are new laws that I live by. It's not a matter of revenge and get even. It's a matter of love your brother. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. It's a, it's a reprogramming. It's a renewing of my mind. And so one of those renewing that must take place, and this is where I want to go here with this, is that I'm now under new ownership, and that owner wants to live in me and help me to follow God. See, Pastor Tom shared last Sunday night, upon salvation, listen very carefully here, the Holy Spirit takes up resident inside of us. We have to get this. Now, Pastor Tom talked about it earlier this morning in our services. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. This is a key one I want you to just grab a hold with me. The Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead. How many of you know it takes a little bit of power to raise someone from the dead? All right? And so that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. I don't think we grasp that enough, and that's why I want to preach on it a little bit tonight. Okay? And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit. The word life there means he will make you come alive. He will give new life. He will quicken you. Okay? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we know. And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Matthew 28, 18. All authority and power in heaven on earth has been given to me, therefore go making disciples. We know that. By virtue of the Holy Spirit being inside of us, and I know this is a simple thought, but guys, we've got to grab it. By virtue of the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in us, we have power. These two verses utilize two different Greek words. And as we dig into this, we can see that in the Greek language, we're defined as power in many different translations, but they're really two different words. The first one 
is the word we know very common, and that's the word dunamis, which means what? Dynamite. It means explosive power, miraculous ability, abundance, might, power, strength, violence at work. Okay? It means explosive power. That's, that word is used there, and his divine power has given us, okay, and we shall receive power. That's the dunamis, explosive power. But also we know that by the virtue of the Holy Spirit in Matthew 28, all authority and power is given. That word is a different Greek word, friends. That is the word exousia, which means jurisdiction. Follow me? It means jurisdiction. It means influence. It means liberty. It means right or strength. It's a jurisdiction. Just as a policeman has jurisdiction in the city, the sheriff has jurisdiction in a county, a state trooper has jurisdiction in the state, and then there are the federals. There's levels. But we have here, given to us here, the incredible, not only dunamis, but explosive power, but also the right to use that power wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we have a combination in us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He gives us that divine power, that not only the explosive power, but he gives us the right over every, listen, every evil force out there we have jurisdiction over because of Jesus Christ. Okay? We need to stand in that, okay? We need to believe that with all of our hearts. So being, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, excuse me, is the realization that the Spirit of God, listen, is in me. That explosive power and that jurisdictional power is right. I have that. Wow, there needs to be a reprogramming of our minds here, doesn't it? Wait a minute. I'm not a little wimp, and I'm not just a, a, a nobody. I'm somebody here. The Holy Spirit lives in me. Then I want to add this to you. Isaiah chapter 61 is a powerful verse. Isaiah 61 verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of the Lord God's anger against his enemies. Notice the Spirit upon me. Not only is the Holy Spirit in me, the Holy Spirit comes upon me. And what is he coming upon me to do? Notice, look at this, glad you asked. He's, uh, the Holy Spirit is upon me, not only within me, with an explosive but a jurisdictional power, but he's also upon me to do what? To bring good news to the poor. To comfort the brokenhearted. Not just a pastor, a minister, it's all of us. To proclaim that the imprisoned can be set free. To proclaim that those, those who are depressed because of the times will be encouraged. Notice all of those characteristics are ministry. So follow with me. There's a capacity, Holy Spirit within me, but if that capacity reaches to its peak, then there's an overflow, and guess what? The good news has been brought to the poor because I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to flow out of me because the Holy Spirit is upon me. I'm able to comfort the brokenhearted. I'm able to proclaim the prisoners can be set free. I'm able to proclaim that those who are depressed can be encouraged. See, that's when the Holy Spirit flows out of me. People's lives are touched. Lives are changed around me. Those characteristics are all ministry. Being in me is capacity. Being upon me is the evidence. My fullness will show in what I do and how I live. So first of all, that Holy Spirit, a, fill, a person filled with the Holy Spirit has a realization. Realization that, wow, oh, wow, there's a power inside of me. 
Secondly, a person filled with the Spirit has an anticipation. Anticipation. Another word for this would be expectation. And a line was given to me by, by Keith Chirilla. Thank you, Keith, for allowing me to utilize this, past, this little thought. It's a great thought. If you get nothing else tonight, grab a hold of this great thought. What distinguishes the Spirit-filled believer from others is the spirit of anticipation or expectation. Let me explain that. In other words, the believer who is filled with the Spirit just expects God to do something. He just lives in anticipation that God is going to answer their prayers. I think every Spirit-filled believer here today should live a life of anticipation and expectation that God's going to answer my prayer. The situation is going to turn around. The body is going to be healed. The, the, the circumstances around my life are going to change. The depression is going to go. The body is going to be made new. There's an anticipation in the Spirit-filled believer. Can you say amen? All right, follow me here. I'm getting ahead of my thoughts. The Spirit-filled believer is just simple enough to take the Bible as truth. It is the Spirit of God that is inside that helps us to do just, do just that. Allow me to, to share a, a few highlights here of something I've been teaching in our Sunday school class, the best class, the best small group in the church. And uh, we're known for our treats, but we're pretty nice people too. But on the area of spiritual gifts, we haven't touched on this topic yet, but it's... it's uh, in Corinthians, it talks about the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. I call it God's holy toolbox. Okay? And that God's holy toolbox, these gifts are inside of every follower. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. If the Holy Spirit has these gifts and that Holy Spirit is inside of us, then therefore every gift of the Holy Spirit is mine. Look at the scripture with me. And I'll list them out as we, as we read. And you've heard this many times, but let's roll through it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit. Somebody say the Spirit. Holy Spirit here. The message of wisdom, number one. To another, the message of knowledge. There's two. By means of the same Spirit. To another, faith. The gift of faith by the same Spirit. That's three. To another, the gifts of healing. Number four. To another, miraculous powers. Number five. To another, prophecy. Six, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. So there's nine incredible gifts of the Holy Spirit, that, listen to me, that lie resident in every follower of Christ here. Those nine are there, okay? Listen to them, okay, again. Now, let's go to the prior point. The Holy Spirit is within me, right? The Holy Spirit is upon me. I believe that if I will live in anticipation and expectation of God working a miracle with that power and within me, the power upon me, the fullness is going to be demonstrated wherever I go. Therefore, the gifts of healing can be manifested in me if I'm living in that fullness. So I'm believing with all my heart, and I said it already, but I'll say it again, that situation can turn around. There can be a restoration. That individual can be healed. I will have the wisdom that I need, whatever, whatever it is at whatever time that I need it. I will have that. Why? I live in anticipation that God, is, through his Holy Spirit, is in me and working through me, and those nine gifts are there for me to use any time. Mark chapter 16. Listen to this great, powerful verse. Mark 16, verse 17. Follow this. And these signs shall follow them that what? Believe. 
I'm saying here tonight, changing this a little bit, and these signs shall follow those who expect it. If I'm just simple enough to take the Bible as his word, I'm going to say I'm filled with the Spirit, and these signs are going to follow me because I live in anticipation and expectation. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them, for they shall lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. I don't know about you guys, if I can say this, I believe we need a, more, a, a little bit more of spirit-filled Christians who live in expectation and anticipation that wherever they go through the course of every day, every week, that their signs will follow them. See, there's a capacity there, and that capacity has reaches its peak, and it, it has a demonstration out to people. Baseball scouts, as I grew up my my life was wrapped around baseball and I still enjoy baseball not as much as I enjoy other things right now but we won't go there uh, but baseball scouts as they go out and look for prospects to draft and bring into the major leagues they look at what they call five tools okay they want to find a prospect that has what they call five tools that they have speed that they can hit for average and they can hit for power that they have a strong arm, and they have an excellent defensive ability. They're known as a five-tool prospect. Can I just say this? I believe every follower of Christ, every spirit-filled follower of Christ, is a nine-tool powerhouse. Do you follow me? It's there, okay? You see, the the spirit-filled believer should never be caught in a quandary. Because the Holy Spirit's inside of us helping us. He has provided everything to need. When we think about what, what we're going to do, I dig into the Spirit and I follow what He says. Filled with the Spirit. I rely upon the Spirit and, and what He has and what it takes. Let me look at this. Um, the Holy Spirit, I think to have this in your notes. The Holy Spirit is looking for those who are broken and hurting and lost so that He can point them to the Father. And part of our job is to help them see the Father. That comes from a capacity is reached and our peak is reached and is overflowing into others and people will see because God wants to heal. Can, you, can I tell you something? If you're here tonight and you're discouraged or you're down, God wants to heal you. Okay. If you're here tonight and you're frustrated and you need wisdom, God wants to provide for you. God is always waiting. We, we sang about it tonight. We draw near, he draws near to us. He's just waiting for us, church. He's just waiting for us, friends. Waiting for us to, to put him to the test, okay? And he's waiting for us. Let's expect and anticipate something's going to change. But it's a mentality. You know, there are people who have, they go through situations and, oh, I just don't know what am I going to do. What I'm gonna, dig into the Holy Spirit. Be anticipating and be expecting God. I've got some things rolling around in my life right now that are just like, oh, my word, are you kidding me? But I have to do the same thing. I say, God, I'm going to dig into your spirit right now, and I'm going to anticipate that this whole thing is going to be settled and your name is going to be glorified. I'm expecting you to move. I'm expecting you to change. I'm expecting you to work in a miraculous way because that's who you are and that's what you do. Now, Thelma, we're not in class, so you can't talk back to me now. We're in a sermon. I love this lady. She's so good. 97 years and going strong. Finally, last one here this evening. A mark of a person filled with the Holy Spirit is a mark of satisfaction. 
So there's the realization. Christ, or the power of the Spirit is inside of me. There's the expectation that he's going to do something through me. That something is going to change. And finally, the mark of the person filled the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit, is satisfaction. See, being filled with the Spirit is allowing the fruit of the Spirit full expression. And when the Holy Spirit is allowed full expression, I'm just going to say it this way, there is an incredible satisfaction. Okay? Follow me. Galatians chapter 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Notice here, there's absolutely no law against those. <laughs> I like that. Okay? So that means I can go for it. Follow me here. Let's look at the opposites with me for a second. What about, what's the opposite of love? Let's say hate. What will a fullness of hate do for you? Absolutely nothing, but just maybe thrown in jail. What is the opposite of joy? I'm going to say sorrow. What is a, an abundance or a fullness of sorrow do for you? Okay, just adds more sadness and sorrow to your life. How about peace? The opposite of peace, I'm going to, I'm going to use it here and say is turmoil. What will an excess of turmoil or fullness of turmoil in your life create? Lots of stress and anxiety. Are you following a picture here? Okay. What, what about kindness? Opposite of kindness is, I'm going to call rudeness. Okay. What will a, an abundance of rudeness produce in us? Loss of friends. Okay. What about goodness? I'm going to put the opposite of goodness here being cruelty. I'm not going to go through all the fruit of the Spirit, just a few here to give us a picture. But what is the opposite of cruelty? What will an abundance of cruelty produce for us? Jail. Problems, sorrow. I hope you get the picture. A fullness of the Spirit of God in me will produce such a satisfaction of which there is no limit. You know what? There's no limit to God's love in me. There's no limit to the amount of joy I can have. Okay? There's no limit to the peace, the goodness, the kindness, the meekness, the temperance. There's no limit to those. And if when I begin to fill, allow those to fill my life, there's a fullness and there's the satisfaction. There's no jail time. There's no sorrow. There's no sadness. There's no cruelty. But, but an incredible, deep, settled peace. That's the Spirit of God that's living inside of me. It will produce a satisfaction. You see, here's my challenge tonight. Lord, in our prayer, Lord, increase my capacity. Increase my capacity so that my overflow is going to be more obvious to everyone I come in contact with. A verse that we started with is verse 18. Follow this with me. Instead, be filled with the Spirit by reciting psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs for your own good. Sing and make melody to the Lord with your hearts. Always thank God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're feeling sad tonight, if you're feeling alone, realize, anticipate God wants to change that. Holy Spirit wants to come in and fill you tonight more than you've ever felt before to a point of fullness. But just there's a realization, there's an anticipation, expectation, and there's a satisfaction that comes with the fullness of the Spirit. How? Three things here, as you see in this verse. I fill myself with the word, I maintain a life of praise, and I continually give thanks. That'll keep your spirit filled. 
I found this phrase that doesn't tie in, but I'm going to shoehorn it in anyhow. What keeps a person from moving, from surviving to thriving, is grumbling. Okay? I'm saying this. What can move us from surviving to thriving? Staying full of the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. How do I do that? I fill myself with the word. I sing into the Lord. I keep worship, and I give thanks. That moves me. So tonight, the, a spirit-filled believer, a follower of Christ who is filled with the spirit, is one who lives in a realization that there's a great power resident inside me. Lives in great anticipation and expectation God's up to something in me. God's up to something in this situation. God's working this out for his good, for his glory. That's the being filled with the Spirit as it overflows. And being filled with the Spirit means I live a life of satisfaction because I'm allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be evident outward in my life. Father, tonight as we close this evening, I ask that you would make these things real to each and every one of us, just as you've made them real to me as I've studied and looked at them this week. You make them real to us. Thank you for tonight, God. Holy Spirit, thank you for living inside of us, bringing your power and your might. Thank you for the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we can live in expectation, that we can put those to use anywhere, anytime. Have that expectation, that anticipation. You're, God, you're up to something. You can use me to do it and help us, God, to understand that the fruit of the Spirit wants to be made evident and we allow that to move in our lives. There's a fullness. There's a satisfaction that comes. We honor you and we bless you. Let your word again find lodging and challenge us here tonight in Jesus' name.